0: Okay, we are live episode 98 coming on the inaugural 100 very soon. Uh, we've got Arshad Ball, Amrita Health Foods. We have Janika Oliver, Blueprint Marketing. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Thank Mark. You. Arshad, Tell us, what is it all about? I know you from uh, social media, as they say today, as the young kids say today, uh, LinkedIn, my LinkedIn pal. uh, So it's good to connect here. Give us a a story about the brand. When did it start? What's it all about?
1: Yeah, nine years Uh, in, started in 2012. Um, My son's journey with autism was what led me to create products that were low inflammation products. And then um, we were basically working a farmer's market um, and met the buyer for Ellie Trueswell, the buyer for Northeast. Just happened to come by, like what we were doing, asked if we wanted to be in Whole Foods. Honestly, I had no idea what it was to be in Whole Foods. I said yes very fast because there was a Whole Foods literally a mile down the road from me. And we started that path. And I was at the point of leaving corporate. I was a little bit dissatisfied with being in corporate America. And so I was kind of looking for an entrepreneurship outlet. And this was literally right there. And that basically what led me to start getting into this field and probably just like you or other people literally learned my way through the last decade, nearly a decade of being in this. Uh,
0: Give us those first findings. What, what were they? What were the products? What were you doing exactly? Give us a little description there.
1: Yeah. So for my son, the important thing was to make a product that was ridiculously tasty. Um, It also was a product that needed to be because, you know, he was at that time, he was four or five years old. It needed to be something that was, um, Unbaked, easy to work with, that kids like. So it was, you know, date paste, dried fruits, seeds, just basically mushed together into a bar, cut up, foiled up. Uh, think about Lara Bar, RX Bar, same same concept, extruded date paste based product. Uh, so that we started with that. We added some protein because again, he was a kid on the autism spectrum who just needed a lot of nutrient packed in a small space. It's a high density product. Um, that's what we did. And I also happened to race bicycles a lot and was used to eating. You know bars all the time so i was familiar with the form factor i just needed to get something that was digestible so that's what we created
0: where were you doing that at give us the platform was it a commercial kitchen give give us a description what year was that as well
1: yeah so i started doing 2011 in the base in my kitchen basement right uh literally i built out a second kitchen probably 500 bucks investment in to build it out i got a mold uh a rolling pin Burned through five or six mixers doing that, and was literally supplying Whole Foods in that in that process. Um, working my day job, starting at eight o'clock at night, making bars till about midnight, and literally, you know, demoing on the weekends. That was it. One full year. Um, hired people to work for me while I was still in corporate. I had people working for me in my basement um, while I would go to my day job at at IBM corporate, and they were doing like customer service and marketing. And, and did all that for about a year in till I decided to leave corporate. So I'm a big believer in like, you know, get pretty far along before you leave your day job.
0: Let's fast forward a few years. then. so you're, you're probably at that point, maybe you had left uh, corporate America or maybe, maybe not just yet. Give me an idea of like really when you started to move this, maybe even out of that smaller kitchen and what did it look like then?
1: Yeah, so we got to a point where we started of approached Sprouts and Sprouts said, listen, <laughs> the guy asked me, he's like, where are you making it? And I said, well, it's still, I said cottage industry just to make it look a little bit more official. And he, he, he knew exactly what was going on. And he's like, listen, you need to go to a co-packer. So, so I started searching for a co-packer, found one. Uh, and that's what got us into Sprouts and national distribution. The national distribution happened really early in our, in our path and probably a little too early, you know, in, in retrospect. Um, and then we started doing two regions of Whole Foods. And that got us, you know, pretty much the dream um, accounts very early, first two, three years, working with co-packers, went, went through a couple co-packers early on, just trying to find fit with co-packers. Um, and that's, that was the, the first couple years of getting product out there.
0: Got it, okay, and then as far as the co-packer situation, because I, I believe there's a, a part of this story that we're gonna find out about in a little bit, mm-hmm. uh, as far as maybe transitioning out or in or whatever yeah. you're doing now, but let, before we get right there, give us what did, what did that look like? How did you, you, you mentioned maybe a couple of co-packers, what does that look like for those that are, are doing it themselves? What did you find through that process?
1: Yeah, you know, I, I think the hardest thing, and it's, it's still the, the problem right now is the, the really good co-packers won't touch you till you're you know, doing probably 2,000 doors, 3,000 doors, something like that, right? So you, you, need, you need some somebody to take a chance on you between your 200 doors and your 2,000 doors or 3,000 doors. And that's, I think, the hardest part. And you you go through, you burn through a lot of co-packers because a lot of them will sort of take half-heart chances on you. You've got to go babysit them and all that. And that's what happened to me too, you know? Um, I did find a really good co-packer The one before where I am now um, and doing it myself, uh, basically, you know, coached them a lot, but they were really willing to learn. And so I had a good home there for for a long time. And um, and I think you just, you know, you just get lucky when that happens. But as you probably know, you you do it yourself, co packing, it's it's really a two way relationship. It can't be something that can just be thrown over the fence to a co pack and say, make this, and you just walk away. Um, I think you got to invest a lot in the relationship.
0: Yeah, there, there's a there's a lot to be learned in co-packing. I mean, it, it, every every situation is its own. Every co-packer is its own. Every relationship within that you know scenario is is its own. Um, uh, there's a lot of moving parts. So, yep. um, it, it, and it's and it's probably one of the biggest pieces of the business. Of course, most would say, yeah, of course. Well, of course, that's where the product gets made. But there's so many. So many moving parts just within that relationship um, that can make or break the business. Uh, And so let's move it forward because, again, I
1: know where you're at now. What does the business look like now? What are you doing exactly? Yeah, so I had a really interesting transition that led me to where I am. Uh, About three years ago, I was growing way faster than I could honestly keep up with. And again, I, I wish I had better mentors then and things like that. But we were in about 3,000 stores and we were really struggling with managing the, distrib- the national distributors. So Unify and Kahee. And, and, and in particular, um, just keeping up with the deductions and all. So we were basically getting large POs, not getting paid on them, you know, three months, six, nearly six months in, even when we got paid. And we are 100% bootstrapped all along and we just couldn't keep up with that, those deductions. So um, made a decision at that time that I was going to pivot more and more towards e-commerce. E-commerce was starting off. So we started to see the traction there. Our products are a perfect fit for e-commerce. And so we started making transition and the transition was really good. We started doing extremely well on Amazon. We built out our website. Um, and then we got hit by recall, which really threw us off a little bit. Um, it was an ingredient recall that, but still impacted us um, through, the, through the entire process. Uh, took us about a year to recover from that recall. Um, but the e-commerce direct-to-consumer was probably the best thing we ever did. And now we're 80% direct-to-consumer e-commerce, uh, 20% retail. I still am a big believer in an omni-channel approach um, because people 100% discover products like mine and yours through feeling it, touching it, you know, turning it over, right? However much we can have influencers talk about it, the person wants to do it. So. We believe we'll come back in, but we cut our relationship with Unify and Kahiv because we just couldn't manage them. We, I think you really need somebody to be managing that those deductions on a, on a very timely manner. Um, but again, I have, I, is our growth strategy, and then we'll come back in to the other uh, omnichannel
0: Deductions, hmm, never heard of that one. Uh, yeah, it's, um, uh, you know, to be fair, I think there's a lot of, and you I can tell just in your sentiment, this it's like it's not bad feeling about it. It's just reality, yeah. right? I think there's a lot of people who who like to get on that sort of uh, that theme of, oh, it's what are they taking? or well, just read the agreements, right? Yeah. Like it's fair. It's fair. They're a distributor. They're in a business to distribute your product and they get paid a certain way. It is what it is. That's how that's my approach. Um, I, I'm also just, uh, we have great relationship with with our distributors. Um, does it hurt? I mean, does it, you know, are there deductions and there's things that you're like, wait, what was that one? What was it, wait, you gotta look up the code. What code was that one? It's business, you know? And so I, I totally understand the sentiment and yes, if you can't manage it, right? And if there are things that aren't working, just like any relationship, doesn't have to be even just be about distrib—you know, distribution, it could be your girlfriend. I mean, <laughs> like, it's just, if things aren't working, right, and you can't get them fixed, it is what it is, right? It's, it's okay.
1: Um, I think it's also important, the whole control thing, right? I think a lot of times, I see this in the food industry a lot. People just want to scale, scale, scale as fast as they can. And they don't realize that scaling, You there's only two ways. One is you've got a good amount of money and you can you can have a team that you build up and the team helps manage the scale. Or you just... Scale comfortably, and um, you know I think now we're at a point where we we're playing in a niche in which we understand the, the limitations we we know what to look out for in direct to consumer. There's plenty of minds you know to 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 go around, but we built up expertise like in the paid ad strategy in all these areas that we can navigate those. And I um, I think it just it just takes you know, an attention to detail and, and patience.
0: Very well said.
1: Um, let's close this out. Uh, where, where do you guys want to
0: be? What does the business look like? Let's say in the next 12 months, it's, it's summer 21, right? Where do you guys see yourself next summer?
1: Yeah, so we're in a really interesting point where we have two businesses that I run now. So I run the co-packing business, um, making products ourselves, and we started co-packing. Um, and what what we're also trying to do is really we're not that big of a co-packer, we're more of a self-manufacturer. And we really believe that self-manufacturing and controlling the the value chain is really important. You see a lot of companies doing that now. And so that's really what we wanna do is we wanna become a social mission-based company that controls the value chain, that is building products that have a strong story to it, that have the brand has a story to it. Um, We're in a competitive category, we'll stay in a competitive category, but the way we'll differentiate is by telling, constantly telling stories. So we want to be digitally focused, forward looking as a company, and also you know, really build our social mission. So we hire people who develop on disability. Uh, we we do a lot of stuff with the on the environmental side with with TerraCycle and others. Just want to do more of that. And um, and I think that'll you know propel us to stay bootstrapped, stay profitable. So we're on that path of not being venture funded, but just figuring out how to use our cash flow to keep growing. Um, and it's not easy. You know, it's, it's a very, very tough model to follow, but so we have to be very strict with our expenses and our, and, you know, all of that, but it, it's doable. It's just, um, you know, it takes, takes a little patience.
0: Yes, it does. Patience is uh, key. Uh, good stuff, Arshad. Um, I put your info there, we'll circle back to it. Um, really good stuff. Janika? It's on you. Uh, Blueprint Marketing, tell us what it's all about. So, um, thank you very much. Blueprint Marketing Group is an on-demand marketing resource that literally plugs into CPG manufacturers or B2B organizations to fill gaps in marketing leadership. So, um, you know, and the service model is built based off of what the client needs, whether it's an interim executive resource while they're recruiting the next resource, or um, support for a strategic initiative, you know that's where we that's where we come in. We fill those gaps in in a cost-effective way. Simple as that. I really like that. Um, I put your info there. Check that out. Arshad's infos info is there somewhere. Appreciate having you both on. Have a successful and healthy week. Thanks, Mark. Bye. Take care, guys.